it's Eric. I realize that it's not Tuesday, but I do have something very special to share with you. Uh, I want to tell you about what I do when I'm not trying out new character voices or trying to surprise my players while dropping foreshadowing hints throughout all of the uh, game sessions that we do. Uh, I'm making other podcasts, and one that I think you would love is my new show, Games and Feelings. Games and Feelings is an advice podcast about games. You join me, question keeper Eric Silver, and a revolving cast of guests as we answer your questions at the intersection of fun and humanity. Because, you know, you got to play games with other people. And we're not just talking about video games. We're not just talking about D&D. We're talking about games of all stripes. We got video games, but we also got all tabletop games, party games, laser tag, escape rooms, game streams, D&D podcasts, the companies and workers that make these games, anything you can think of, and people write in questions that they need us to adjudicate. Uh, and you can just write that in in our website. Uh, so these are all generated from listeners who need us to help them out. Uh, we're dropping one of our most recent episodes for you right now. Uh, this has Bright Sessions creator and JTP GOAT guest Lauren Shippen and a longtime video game smart person Merrick Kay. Uh, if you're interested in listening to more episodes, which I certainly hope you will be, you can check out the show using the links in the episode description here, or you can search for Games and Feelings in whatever podcast player you use. All right, I'm going to get out of the way. Hit that 8-bit theme song. Hello, gamers, and welcome to Games and Feelings, an advice show about playing games, being human, and dealing with the fact that those games will involve other humans. I am your host and question keeper, Eric Silver, and if Kirby sucked me up, Kirby would then have the power to smell something bad, but not enough to know what the smell is, but definitely to know that in the room there is a bad smell, and I don't like being in the room. Uh, <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Mary Kay, and uh, if Kirby ate me up... Oh, well, that would be a grand little adventure, wouldn't it? But I think um, Kirby would get the ability to like befriend random cats on the street, get a little cat gang following him around. I love that. I, I hope that that truly does happen. And I'm Lauren Chippen, um, and I don't understand what Kirby is, but based on context clues, if he <laughs> ate me up, uh, he would have the ability to tell the time without a clock within a an error Ooh, of, of two minutes. That's good. Now, can I ask, do you wear a watch or anything like I, that? I used to, okay. um, but I haven't in very in many, many years. Um, but I've always had sort of this weird ability to just know what time it is. So in high school, I didn't wear a watch or like, and this is before smartphones and I didn't have a, a cell phone of any kind. And I developed the ability. I was within about five or six minutes, I would say. So maybe not quite as high a level. But that's a useful skill. Definitely. Kirby's a pink demon who eats things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's and he absorbs the power of the person that he yeah, eats or whatever. <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't decide if we wanted to go down the does Lauren function like an atomic clock or how do you not know who the Turbo, <laughs> the little guy who eats people. I have. I do, I do. I've seen the unraveled about Kirby, but I don't remember it really. And I do feel like the conclusion of that was like we don't know what Kirby is. I think that wasn't the conclusion of that one just. Brian and David Gilbert walking out into the wilderness or something? Like, it was, like walking yeah. into the ocean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> this is incredible. This is a wonderful start. I am so happy to have both of you on the show. I listen to your shows all the time. And now we're just going to talk about games, baby. Yeah. We're going to help people with their problems. Woo-hoo. The first thing we have to do before we help anyone, let's give some game recommendations in our new first segment, Game Recommendations and Feelings. Let people know about what you're playing. This can be a video game. This can be a board game. This can be a card game that you've picked up that you are now spending thousands of dollars on, like I did in Hearthstone when I didn't have anything better to do. I'm not doing it now. I'm just saying that you could talk about that if you wanted to. Um, Or like uh, any any type of game, what are you into? And if you want to attach a feeling that you've now experienced after playing that game. So I am I'm currently playing um, Horizon Forbidden West and it is fantastic, but I actually want to recommend a game that I played earlier this year and I want to recommend it because I was skeptical of it and then it uh, took over my life for quite some time, which is the Mass Effect trilogy. Nice. <laughs> I was skeptical to play it because I don't always love playing games from 10 years ago just because... I'm so used to playing AAA games in the past couple of years that I've gotten used to the the game mechanics and the graphics and all that kind of stuff. And I'd started playing, uh, I bought the you know legendary edition of the Mass Effect trilogy at the end of last year and started playing Mass Effect 1 and was like, yeah, okay, this is, this is okay. I'm not so gripped by the story and I'm not so gripped by the game mechanics. You know, driving around this Mako on these planets is really frustrating. <laughs> um, yes. And then uh, just something kind of clicked and I, and I finished the first game and then I started the second game and the opening to the second game is like still one of the greatest openings of any new oh video God, game I've yeah. ever experienced. And then I got way, way, way too emotionally invested in Mass Effect and I haven't stopped thinking about it for about six months. I, that's so dangerous to have something that's that like narrative and really does suck you in. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, hey, we're going to give you this book, but we're also going to smush the two other sequels to it directly attached to the book. So you never have to stop. You never have to put it down. But you still have to go to work. So sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, did on this next this playthrough that you did, did the demon baby at the end? ruin your enjoyment or were you too busy just like happy you were living in space and romancing your friends to kind of deal with it i i don't know if this is like a controversial take because obviously i was not like in the fandom when the game was first released but i loved the ending Mm. i like spoiler alert i love a good tragedy like Mm. i i thought it was earned and i like i thought yeah i thought it was fantastic i loved it yeah i never hated it as much as other people seem to. Who did you did you romance someone? I did. I romance Caden. Caden. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is rare. Um, is it? Yeah. Most people do not really care for Caden that much, as far as I can tell. Um, one of my coworkers, Kenneth Shepard, is I think one of the few people I know who is like big pro Caden shipper. That's so funny. Who did you romance? Um, I think I did. This is funny. I was like going to say, oh, yeah, wow, that series was so like emotionally resonant for me. And now I can't even remember the characters' names. Um, I think <laughs> I went with um, Liara. Yeah. Um, but if I replayed it, I would probably do Garrus. But the thing is, I haven't replayed Mass Effect since the first time. And I probably never will because mm. it's one of those games where it was just like so emotionally intense that I'm like, well, that that was it. That was my canon Mass Effect experience. And I can't go back to it. 
I totally get that. I had actually started to replay it pretty soon after because I was like, I need to immerse myself in this world mm-hmm. for so much longer. Like, I can't leave. Um, and I played female Shep the first time. And so I was like, I'm going to, you know, like, I'll go back in and play male Shep and sort of make different choices. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I didn't end up sort of playing very far into it because that, like, canon experience was so impactful. But that said, like, I, I think Romance and Garrus is, like, maybe the the best choice um mm-hmm. liara is great but in the first game she's like a little bit too like obsessed with shepherd as like a test subject yeah. and that kind of turned me off of it <laughs> but i didn't know you could romance garris in the second game he's, and yeah so, i think he's like the biggest like the breakout star yeah and, and when i started to in the second game i realized that i was going to be like technically cheating and like i just couldn't my like heart couldn't take that oh yeah because she's not there and you're technically like still together yeah and so i was like i guess i just i have to commit to this now but i i I did end up i it's funny my partner watched me play the game and he was very very anti-caden but i i liked him at the end caden's sweet yeah i don't know i liked like in mass effect 3 because i kept him around for so long like you get this nice dialogue where you're like yeah. You know, talking about him growing up in Vancouver or whatever and being buds. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there's some nice stuff there. Is that real Vancouver or is it space Vancouver? <laughs> it's real Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if like Mars is now Canada. I, I feel like I never, I feel like I've come to a lot of these very large like PlayStation or PC games through like YouTube lists and stuff that I've found. Like, I don't know. There's something very soothing to me about someone to tell me like the seven worst anime betrayals that's ever <laughs> happened in games. I love videos like that. Yeah. So like I, I only know the very broad strokes of Mass Effect where like the ending is bad. You can romance people. It's in space. That's all I know. So like listening to you talk, you two talk about like who the best people are. I'm like, there are no spoilers here. This sounds like, like a fan thick dream that you can just kind of play through and then there's space and guns and mm-hmm. politics if i remember there are guns probably the worst part of the game yeah the shooting mechanic is really tough in the first game it's not the best it's it's just like this whole thing is washing over me and i'm like i'm i'm even if we spoiled anything is like now the feeling i'm getting is like i'm glad you enjoyed this <laughs> I, I have to say, I like it is, you know, controversial ending. You get to romance people, but I, I will advocate for playing it because there's so much more. Like the politics are great and the game mechanics do eventually become really fun. And you have to experience the character of Morden Solus yourself. Oh my God. Like after I played the game, I made a fan art of him, my phone background for like three months <laughs> because I'm obsessed <laughs> with him. And he's like, he's like a side character. He's like not a romance option. He's this weird little scientist alien dude and he is genuinely one of my most favorite characters of like all time in any media ever incredible um Merit, what are you what are you playing and how do you feel about that <laughs> yeah um so i just finished the vampire the masquerade new york uh visual novels Ooh. so there were two of them that were put out in i want to say 2019 and 2020 it's weird because that series has kind of become like a warhammer in that there was nothing for a really long time. Um, although I did learn that there was a Vampire the Masquerade TV series on Fox in the 90s, which is extremely funny. Really? It called what? Kindred the Embraced. It lasted for six episodes. Oh, and I no. absolutely need to see it now. Sorry, we're going to have to change this podcast to being a rewatch podcast yeah. for that. It's right just about now. that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And same thing with like Warhammer for a long time. There were just like no games. And then they just started getting real silly with the license. Um, and like the last few years, obviously Bloodlines 2 is 
you know, kind of dead in the water, but there have been all these other ones. Like there's a VTM Battle Royale that just came out a few months ago. What? Why? <laughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of vampires running around a city, jumping on rooftops and sword fighting and occasionally just like grabbing some rando to have a snack. <laughs> like the, Same, the people are power ups, which is kind of funny. Oh, my God. Um, but uh, but the visual novels are set in New York, and the first one is a little awkward because it's sort of trying to adapt the tabletop rules and make you feel like you're playing a game with mechanics instead of just telling a story. Mm-hmm. It also has, speaking of bad endings, just atrocious ending. Like, it really feels like they just ran out of money and were like, oh, Jesus, oh, God, we have to end <laughs> this right now. Um, I guess kill a bunch oh, of people no. and um, fade to black. We don't know what happens oh, to the main no. character. Okay. So the first one is like, was a little, you know, hit and miss. Uh, but the second one, Shadows of New York, they decided, okay, we're just, you play as a single character who has like defined relationships with other people. It's much less about like the mechanics and stuff and much more just about being thrown into this situation that at first seems to be like, oh, cool. Like I'm not bound by like the rules of the petty rules of humanity anymore. And then you realize like, oh shit, now I'm bound by the petty rules of like devils and monsters because they just (laughs) recreated their own society that has a lot of the same problems. For me, like both of those games, especially the latter really sort of like reminded me of the first like six months of 2020. The second game explicitly references COVID. Like you start to, it starts to be a thing that happens in the background and like it's coming up, but you're a vampire. So you're just like not really paying attention to it. (laughs) I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. Some people might not be. Was um, that incredibly jarring? For me, it kind of was just like, wow, that feels like so long ago. Like, obviously, Mm. you know, COVID is like still with us and sort of just like a part of society at this point. Um, I still like wear masks in places, but just those first like six months of total uncertainty of just like feeling like literally anything could happen, just being terrified, but also like slightly exhilarated with some of the stuff that was going on. And also just like the whole like in these games, like being a vampire and just like living in like your own little weird haven and just like being isolated most of the time, that in itself is also like kind of evocative of those feelings. So it was a weird, like a strange narrative experience that I've never really had with a game because I don't think I've played a game that has referenced such a big historical event that happened so recently before. Um, yeah. But I I really recommend them if you're into visual novels. Uh, the first one I would recommend like with a qualification that expect the ending to be bad. Um, <laughs> the second one... Uh, much better overall. Uh, yeah, definitely worth playing both of them. I think they're they're on like pretty much everything. I played them on the Switch, but I think they're on Steam and uh, probably consoles as well. Do people play visual novels on consoles? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't it know. feels like something. That would be, seem very odd to me, like sitting on your couch playing like, yeah. yeah. Even, even with the Switch, it's like you're holding a Switch light over your head. Like I, li- I kind of like that like- though. The Switch light is like one of my favorite consoles of all time just because it's so comfortable and like it's so much less heavy than the original. Oh, 100%. Um, and I never played my Switch docked anyway, so I just, you know. Mm. I honestly, I, I'm going to come back to that because that's actually my recommendation is playing a Switch docked for the first time uh but Merritt, you have given me so much to chew on here not only the games and the show that again we're just gonna change the entire <laughs> podcast premise but like i'm still such a sucker of seeing new york 
interpreted in the various media. Like, mm. I mean, seeing it in Spider-Man and Miles Morales mm -hmm. is really wonderful, but seeing it rendered in via Vampire the Masquerade. And also, I was looking this up because I hadn't heard of this when you were talking about it. The source book from the actual tabletop game mm -hmm. of New York by Night. Now I need to read that. <laughs> like, I, I there's so much New York stuff I need to, I need to chew on. I have the same kind of thing of like, oh, New York is, oh, it's a video game. That's Or like seeing a place where you live, like those mm -hmm. right. games that were for the PS4 that were uh, set in Seattle, uh, Infamous, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like The Last of Us. That... <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Last of Us too. Seattle <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's basically Seattle. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but what was really weird about the first New York game, which was called Coteries of New York, is there's a part where they literally go to a street that I used to live on, like within like a three block radius and they're talking about the neighborhood <laughs> it's really weird like someone must have just like either done a ton of research or lived like right by me when they were working on this that's awesome i can only imagine like the zoom in of like going and then you're in your apartment and you're laying on your couch holding your switch light <laughs> and then we watch and you're playing the game and it's just perpetual and we never stop mm -hmm. um one last question are the, do they ever say whoa i'm vampiring here or masquerading here? Uh, is that, does that ever come No, up? I think that would be a masquerade breach to say that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I, I'm truly, I'm going to dig into this so much after this. But yeah, it's funny you said that. The thing I was going to recommend is playing your Switch on the dock. I also love my Switch Lite. I had a Switch for a really long time. I got it right when it came out. Um, because I hadn't bought a new console for a very long time. And then I got a Switch Lite because of the dreaded Joy-Con drift. And this was even before there were like Reddit threads telling mm. you what to do. <laughs> and then Nintendo saying, ah, we're not going to help you. No, it's fine. No, you're just going to have to deal with it and buy more Joy-Cons. Um, so I ended up getting the Switch Lite and it was a little bit better in terms of drift. And I put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into games like uh, Enter the Gungeon. I probably put like 500 hours into. Damn. And then of course, like Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart 8, I played a ton on my Switch Lite. And then like I was living with like a bunch of roommates and then I moved in with my partner uh, in 2019. And we had used the Switch as part of like a streaming setup. So it was really messed up. But then like we hadn't streamed in a while and I'm like, I'm just going to move this to the real TV. And the reason why I love the Switch so much is Merit, exactly what you said is that the Switch Lite is the like apotheosis of people who played Game Boys and then became adults <laughs> and then wanted to keep playing Game Boy games. And I was like, oh, I'm such an adult. I'm playing this on the subway. Wow, video games fit into my adult life. And now, like, I feel like I've come all the way back around in, like, this is my space that I live in with my partner. I'm allowed to have a video game system <laughs> in the main TV. And then I'm like, whoa, did you know Breath of the Wild is so pretty? Like, <laughs> did you know? That game is so worth playing on a big TV. I, and I just, I never had, and I'm blown away. I bought the DLC and I because mm -hmm. I just didn't want to do it the first time. I'm replaying all of Mario Kart 8 and getting like all the stars and all the golds and all the tracks, especially with the new ones that are coming in. So like... Let, changing it up, man. Like the Nintendo Switch is a good system. Don't know if anyone heard, and it works both handheld and on a dock. Who would have thought? Thank you, <laughs> Miyamoto. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Reggie. <laughs> thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Doug Bowser. Thank you to all of you. I'm also like I'm debating whether or not to read Reggie Fisame. The, the he ran North America Nintendo for a very long time. He's like business memoir. I'm tr just debating whether or not I want to read it or not because like I can't figure out if it's going to be like interesting Nintendo stories or just like business jargon. Isn't it going to be mostly about pizza? Wasn't he a pizza guy before that? Really? Yeah, he worked at 
Pizza Hut? What was the one with the Bigfoot pizza? That was like his thing. The one that was like really long. It was a long pizza. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't remember. But yeah, he was a pizza innovator for sure. Man, what a life. Pizza and Nintendo. I mean, what else do you need, really? Just the patron saint of of teens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wait, and it turns out that he was working on Mountain Dew as well? (laughs) That's the Triforce. Mm -hmm. The Triforce is Nintendo Pizza and Mountain Dew. Nailed it. Um, Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your game recommendations and feelings. So do you want to help some people out? you want to answer some advice questions? Let's do it. Wonderful. Actually, I have I've saved this one specifically for you, Merritt, because I know uh, that you uh, are a big Destiny head. Is that what they call themselves, Destiny heads? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I mean, that could be a fan of that weird YouTuber as well, though. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they call them, I'm saving this for you specifically. This is from Mimi. She, her. Um, do you have any advice on playing shooter games? I've been playing Destiny, and the game is amazing, but a bit overwhelming sometimes. What's anyone's advice on making it less chaotic? Um, and also, I reserve the right to change your name to like an advice column <laughs> name. So this is first person, just shoot me, help me, <laughs> I guess. That was, that was close. I don't know. If you come up with better ones, both of you are very much allowed to do that. Now, you have put the idea in my head of a uh, a game based on the 90s sitcom Just Shoot Me starring David Spade. Uh, <laughs> and that to me is horrifying. So <laughs> I, I feel like it needs to be a Nintendo, an NES, like, platformer that has so little. Yeah, have nothing to do with the game, where with the show, and just your bop jumping and bopping around. Exactly. Nice. Just a little sprite of David Spade jumping yeah. from one New York apartment to another. I don't know what the show's about. <laughs> I mean, because if it's, if it's one thing, you know, games let you live out your wildest fantasies. <laughs> your fantasies that maybe are so wild that you've never even had them before. Like, what if you were David Spade? <laughs> It's true. I did just have a dream where I wish I could be shooting down Chris Farley jokes for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I can look it up. So FPS games. Wow, man, that's tough. Is there anything I think the way that and I think Destiny specifically is kind of hitting on this and like where we're a long time since Pac-Man, but really we're a long time since uh, like Goldeneye where mm. it's just like, yeah, shoot your friend, whatever. There was just like so much going on yeah. in an FPS. I think especially when you're playing Destiny, which is like. I've still been trying to figure out how to explain Destiny to people. It's like both a first-person shooter and an MMO at the same time. Hmm. There's like seven different currencies. I feel like there's like a lot of going on in general. Yeah, I mean, so there's the core issue of like playing an FPS. If you didn't grow up playing video games, then the concept of maneuvering in a fake three-dimensional space on a screen is like completely deranged um until (laughs) you figure it out (laughs) uh like 2d games are one thing but like oh i'm i'm maneuvering on these platforms that i'm looking at through a flat plane like that's hard to do Mm -hmm. and uh also just fps games with like mouse and keyboard there's like all kinds of hotkeys and stuff going on um i would say just try to find some friends is the main way to go the nice thing about a game like destiny is that it is primarily like a team-based cooperative game like there is pvp obviously but you don't really have to engage in it if you don't want to you know if you have friends or like you can you know find groups online or like a clan or something uh they can really sort of lead you through it a lot more easily because specifically with that game too the new player experience i think leaves a lot to be desired Mm. it's one of those things where like Mm. if you haven't been playing it for a long time you have no idea what's going on in, in like the story. There's like a ton of different stuff to like mess around with. There's all these different activities that you could be doing and it can be pretty overwhelming. 
So I guess like in a way, this is kind of a cop out, but I'm saying like, hey, find someone to help you is my solution. But like, honestly, you know, those games are the most fun with other people anyway. So I would really, really recommend like going on Reddit, trying to find a clan or something. There are good ones. I'm part of a really good one. You know, that will, I think, make the experience a lot more enjoyable. Hell yeah. Yeah, I I have not played Destiny or, or that many MMOs, but I think just for first person shooter games in general, because I definitely have a hard, I'm one of those people that like has a hard time with them visually. I think that when you have the option, put it on the easiest mode you possibly can to just like until you get used to it. And also something that that helps me with the first person stuff is mixing up the distance that I am from the screen. Oh, that's a good like, one. Like sometimes sitting closer or sitting further away can help me not be like so claustrophobic. Yeah. Depending, you know, depending on the graphic mm. and depending on like the angle of what the FPS is, like I think just sort of messing around with the angle and the distance that you are from your screen can sometimes like break something loose. Totally. And like playing with the field of view settings and stuff too, like most games like Destiny can will let you alter that stuff, like how wide of a perspective you have around mm. your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can really change. Like some people just like cannot play with that on a high setting or a low setting. So like messing around with that is probably a, a good thing to to try also maybe you can just like turn off some of the particle effects and stuff yeah some definitely. games like destiny there's just a lot going on visually so like <laughs> anything you can do to cut down on that like visual clutter is probably gonna help mm. yeah i definitely want to say that this extends to other games i tried to pick up risk of rain too um just so that i could like play with some of my other friends who were playing fbs's and like there's still so much going on for a game that's like relatively light, lightweight, like not a triple A game or not like has five different enemies happening at the same time. Like, I, I think it's also hard because I remember I was playing this one game and then like I had just unlocked a few of the different classes and I was playing one of the classes that wasn't as good. Like, you know, you kind of there were like 12 in all, but I just started the game and there were only like three of them like I could have played. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll play this sniper, I guess, while this is happening. And they're like, oh, this is the baby class that isn't going to help you once we unlock the super secret thing. And then we got to the secret boss and then I died immediately and I had to watch two of my friends play the secret boss on Discord. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to be on Twitter while you're doing this. I hope you're having fun. And so it's just like these games. Yeah, it's exactly what you said, Merit, is like games don't bring you on at the same time if there is like a multiplayer component. It's just like you have to assume everyone knows exactly what to do all at the same time. Mm. So you got to have some friends who will help you along the way. I also remember that I was listening to a podcast that said that like the way that we understand FPS is like. Uh, the left, I, I'm like trying to envision a controller while I'm holding it. Like if, uh, the left stick goes forward and the right stick looks around, like the left stick is moving mm-hmm. and the right stick looks around. That was invented for Halo. Like that has been around only for 20 years. Seriously? So like it, it was invent. they, Halo invented it and it came out when Xbox came what? out. What? Which I find wild. Yeah. I mean, if you try to go back to play Goldeneye now, like on an N64 controller, it's kind of miserable <laughs> like it, it's not good yeah no that stuff yeah. is like it's still fairly new so huh. yeah so if you're not if you're struggling uh definitely you can mix it up but everyone else is struggling and it's uh it's younger than you are probably so don't <laughs> worry about it Hey, if you were uh, playing Halo on multiplayer and you just like wanted to give yourself like a cool gamer tag, what would your gamer tag be? Or did you have or what was your oldest gamer tag if you remember it? Oh god, Pandemonium 23, but Panda. Like Hell yes. <laughs> 
And oh, my yeah. avatar was a little panda. That's honestly, that's perfect. <laughs> it's still, my parents still have like an Xbox in their house and it's, it's still like the thing I play under when I'm home and playing Xbox. Oh my God, that rules. <laughs> I cannot remember mine. I think it was the same as my aim screen name. I think I was still Silver Goalie 1 because uh, nice. my last name Silver and I played goalie when I was eight years old in <laughs> recreational soccer. Hell yeah. <laughs> do you think kids still do that? Like, you know, naming a, a gamer tag or username after something that, because, you know, you were probably like, what, 12 or 13 when you did that. So that wasn't mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, it was a few years before. But like, yeah, just like, oh, yeah, no, I had a pet rabbit when I was a kid. So my my username is like Chomper32 because that was my rabbit's name or something. (laughs) Yeah, my first email was my initials and then the word otter because I was obsessed with otters. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to email that later today, Lauren. So that could have led to some really interesting misunderstandings. Yeah, it it, (laughs) it came out basically as... L.S. Hotter, because my initials are oh, L.S.H., no. <laughs> which as like a nine-year-old, I, it didn't occur to me that that was going to be a problem. So, yeah. So, yeah, my email is aslotter at gmail.com. <laughs> Just hit me up there. It's fine. But no, I have to think, Merit, that like kids are still doing that. Like things change, but I, I think I do think that that certain things around being like a young person sort of stay the same from generation totally. to generation. Embarrassing usernames and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you see it all the time when like a tweet goes viral and it's like a 15 year old who did it said something whatever it's like wow pb and j is so fire and then everyone retweets <laughs> it and has like 200,000 retweets and then it's like at asl honor like it might as well just be that it's just that now it's very public and we watch you when you go viral i think that's the only difference it's true also i'm sorry i said asl honor twice that one's on me <laughs> <laughs> This is the snack break. I got tomato toast with crispy toast with mayo and just slabs of heirloom tomato. It is the only good thing about late July and August. Good tomatoes. I wait for it every year. You can have fancy snacks too when you're playing games. No one's keeping you from it. I want to point you towards our Patreon at patreon.com slash games and feelings. We have just as many DLC episodes, which is the extra podcast on the Patreon, where I answer games advice questions from advice columns of your, whether we're talking about Dear Prudence, whether we're talking about Dear Abby, whether we're talking about Ask a Manager, or any of the other advice columns that are on Slate. And of course, I have my partner in life, love, and podcasting, Amanda McLaughlin, here to do it with me. If you want want a whole other podcast like Games and Feelings so that you have it weekly and it comes out every Friday on the alternate episode days, you know, so like you have one weekly podcast when you have that together, you just got to come to the Patreon, patreon.com slash games and feelings. And thank you again to our producer level patron, Polly Burridge, who doesn't care about rolling well in Dungeons and Dragons because she likes the successes and failures as a storytelling device and you need a mix of both. Check out the other shows that are part of the Multitude Collective. I think you'd like Join the Party. Join the Party is an actual play podcast with tangible worlds, genre-pushing storytelling, and collaborators who make each other laugh all the time. DM Eric, that's me, and the emphatic players Amanda, Brandon, and Julia welcome everyone to the table, from longtime tabletop RPG players to folks who've never touched a role-playing game before. 
You have plenty of places for you to start. You can hop into the campaign where we're playing Monster of the Week set in a weird and wild summer camp, or you can marathon our D&D games, Campaign 2 as a modern-day comic book superpowered story, or Campaign 1 for a high fantasy epic. Whatever adventure you choose, we invite you to hang out with us each month at the After Party, an episode held to discuss campaigns, joke around, and answer listener questions. So what are you waiting for? Pull up a chair and join the party. Search for Join the Party in your podcast app or go to jointhepartypod.com. We are sponsored this week by Cornbread Hemp. They are a CBD company based in Kentucky that makes USDA certified organic bombs, gummies, and oils. Most products are vegan-friendly, including the CBD oils and gummies, and they're family-owned and crowd-funded. Best of all, their products are certified by independent labs with reports published on their website. If you're going to buy CBD products, you want to go with someone who knows what they're talking about. And Cornbread Hemp seems to be those folks. Go to cornbreadhemp.com and use code GAMESANDFEELINGS for 25% off your order. That's cornbreadhemp.com and use code GAMESANDFEELINGS for 25% off your order. And now... Back to the games. All right. Do you want to go to another question? Let's do it. All right. I think I'm going to expand this one out a little bit, but I think this question is really interesting and um, it's going to be very helpful for the various things that we have here. Um, this is from Partyless Adventurer. See, I don't, even, I don't even have to make up a name. Hey, goblins and gremlins. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> naming me as such. I am a socially aw- awkward aardvark who has difficulty finding individuals to play tabletop RPGs and RPG board games with. The friends I have are not interested in playing long-form games, so I must adventure into the unknown to find new adventuring buddies. Here's my question. How does one indicate to others that they want to play tabletop RPGs? Wear a t-shirt with a D20? Sing a song about an adventure? In general, what suggestions might you have about getting a group together to tackle a game that would take more than two hours? Yours in gaming, partyless adventurer. I feel like there are two questions here. One is, how do you suss out if people want to play a game? How do you find the geeks and gamers in the room? Yeah, yeah. that's the mm-hmm. first right. question. I think the yeah. two questions are, how do you find the nerds? But how do you public... I, the question I want to start with is, how do you publicly tell people you like games without... Because the entire gamer personality trait has been taken by people who I don't know if I want to play games with necessarily. Because it's like, my wife lets me play games and in exchange I make salary. Like, well, that's the shirt I'm buying in Walmart now. I'm wearing and those are those people like how do you tell people you like games in a in publicly is a question I want to know yeah I mean Eric I think like the point about the common perception of of the gamer is true and also kind of complicates this question in an interesting way in the sense that like there is not going to be a universal experience at all around this particular thing I find that sort of in the spaces that I occupy and in the in the way that I present myself that like when I start to talk about video games it's more of like a a curiosity to people or a surprise to people because I don't necessarily like read as like your classic gamer. And so it's a little bit easier in some respects for me to sort of like come out as somebody who loves video games because (laughs) it's not coming with like all of this baggage of what else that might say about me. And that Mm -hmm. might be different for somebody else, right? Somebody who maybe 
outwardly presents as like a more stereotypical gamer, then there might be more tension around that conversation because of of like what you might think people will assume about you. Um, I'm I feel like I'm just like adding a, a problem to this person's plate, but like I just I wanted to acknowledge that like you know this is it's going to be different depending on like the way that you present and the the spaces you're occupying, but. This is something I experience a lot in, like, trying to discover if the person I'm talking to is, like, also a fandom person, just, like, in general. And sort of, like, my understanding of, like, like, is this somebody that I can, like, tell that I read fan fiction? You know, like, that kind of level of fandom person. And right. I think, you know, sometimes it's really just about, like, waiting for the other person to start talking about something that they're passionate about and then, like, ask them questions about that thing that they're passionate about, whether it's sports or books or a TV show or whatever. And then, like, you know, when you have an opening, if someone's like, oh, my God, and I loved that the, there was this huge twist in this TV show I was watching, you're like, oh, my God, I know exactly what you're feeling, you know, what, what you're feeling. I, I was playing this game the other day and there was this huge twist. And then finding those, like, little inroads of, like, shared passion and then maybe that person will be like oh my god yes I, I played that game that was such a good twist or they'll be like oh i haven't played a lot of video games like tell me more about that or I haven't played a lot of ttrpgs like tell me more about that so i will say i haven't played a lot of tabletop games in a while although i am starting a vampire the masquerade game and yeah. uh, after having played those visual novels and i'm hoping and honestly expecting that it will go better than my really disastrous attempts to play it when I was in middle school, because as it turns out, that isn't really the kind of game for people whose brains aren't really done cooking yet. <laughs> mm. If you offer to DM, I feel like a lot of people will jump on board. Like if that's something you're willing to do, it's one thing if you're like, oh, I want to find a group to play. I want to play in a game with someone that can be tough. But like even just putting yourself out there and being like, I will run this experience for you. People will mm -hmm. be like, oh, okay. And, you know, if your existing friends like aren't into this stuff at all, that's one thing. And, you know, you shouldn't try to push something on people that they don't want to do. But you could always also just try starting with like smaller, like single shot games, like something like Fiasco. Um, and there's also a million others of these now that I don't know about. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. like can be really fun and a great way to start stuff without the pressure of like you are signing up for a potentially endless campaign every week for the next <laughs> x years um if it's just like we're gonna get together for two hours order some food or bring some food over and we're gonna like play this fun little like collaborative storytelling game um i think the pressure can be a lot lower and people might be like oh that's really interesting and then you can sort of whip out the world books or like the you know the expansions and stuff and be like oh really perhaps you would like to tell an epic tale of uh gallantry and goblins and things of that nature look at my secret books i've been he hiding from you <laughs> you just press a time. button and like the fireplace flips around and it's just yeah <laughs> um yeah so i don't know i mean I, I guess i haven't been out there like it's weird in a way it feels kind of like dating right yes. of like trying mm -hmm. to find like a gaming group um, because there are sites for it now and you can go on Reddit and try to meet people that way. You can go to your local game shop. I guess a lot of those have been hit pretty hard over the last few years, but they're opening back up. And uh, I'm sure there's some kind of hanky that signals that you want to DM. <laughs> that's a thing still. I don't know. Yeah, there you put a bandana with Matt Mercer's face in your Jeez. back pocket and just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I... I I feel like an entry point for a lot of people into just the concept of TTRPGs is betrayal on uh, on 
the trail and the house on the hill or I forget exactly what the what the board game is called. The, the spooky board game with the mi- with the mansion and there's a hill and yeah, there's a hill and, and a haunted and you play a go- you know like because I think a lot of people <laughs> who like enjoy the concept of board games but are sort of wary of TTRPGs as a concept because it feels like I was one of these people until many years ago. Oh, yeah. Like I I was really intimidated by the idea of TTRPGs and by the idea of like especially D&D or something that's like being created whole cloth by somebody and and by me as yeah. part of that. So I think starting with something like Betrayal or well, I mean I this is a longer campaign, but Time Stories is like one of the greatest sort of legacy games that I've I've played and mm. and this sort of you can start with a single Time Story and I think introduce people to the concept of it and then also to piggyback off of the local game shop also your local board game cafe a lot of cities have them now and a lot of them have groups specifically for this kind of thing absolutely oh man we we said so many things i want to like touch on all these things at the same time what you two said about dating and about like figuring out your interests and then going from there is like find people you like and then keep seeing if they like games is like good doing the other way is like oh you like games i'm in a committed relationship with you now Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you realize they're a bad person like that's the hard part and i feel like very similar to dating is like i want to be dating someone i want to be in a relationship And then I realize that you're a bad person and then you have to break up with them, which is the awkward part. So I feel like it is a lot of poking and prodding. And what you said about the the handkerchief is very funny, Merit. And I think we're getting closer to this. What you're saying here, Lauren, is like, but how do you tell someone you like games easily? Like if the suggestions that party list adventurers say here about like wearing a shirt that had a D20 on it. I'd be like, I don't know if I want to be your friend. And I I professionally run a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> podcast. You know what I mean? Is like, I don't know if this is coming on too strong or it means something else. If your apparel is this mm. like Lauren, if you saw someone wearing a shirt that said Destiel is true and canon, would you be like, oh, I want to <laughs> talk to this person immediately? <laughs> I mean, I would be intrigued for sure. Um, I would probably also just like keep an eye on the exit. Yeah, I mean, you never, you never quite know. But I, I will, I will make an argument for enamel pins or patches. Yeah. Those like little, like I, I have, you know, a jean jacket that I switch out a bunch of enamel pins on it, and like. I've got one that's the main character from Oxenfree, right? And it's like, she just looks like a cool girl with blue hair. But if you know, then like, mm. there we go. Now we're talking about Oxenfree. Now we're talking about video games. That's true. I did see someone with a strawberry from uh, Celeste. And I was like, oh, yes. Like, yes, yeah. there it is. That Oh, that's really good. With a patch or a sticker on your mm-hmm. water bottle or like on your on your phone laptop. Case. Yes, that that's that's very good. Phone background. Make Morden Solis your phone background like me. <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. Um. I also want to say that I think that friendly neighborhood board game stores, much like dating, I think you can sniff them out a little sooner than you did before. Where like all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. like, uh oh, I'm in a white supremacist D and D game, and it's been five <laughs> sessions. Oh, like that. I feel like you'd be able to figure that out much sooner now. And I feel like they're a lot more open armed, more inclusive. Um, games where you'd be able to figure that out. You can find the people so much easier and it's not just like, I need you to, I mm-hmm. need someone to play games with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, you know, you want to be having a good time. Like, it's it's less, like, you might think, oh, I just really want to be playing a tabletop game right now. But like, 
if that means you're doing it with people who you don't get along with or you don't like, then that's probably worse than not doing it at all. So it's like the relationship thing again, right? It's like yeah. you want to be doing something with someone or people you like, not not just for the sake of it. So, you know, it might take time. There are enough people out there, especially in the post sort of um, critical role and adventure zone world that we find mm -hmm. ourselves in. There are enough people who listen to podcasts who are like, oh, I wish I could go on a fantastical journey. Um, and as a DM or a game master or storyteller or whatever, uh, you will be in high demand. Yeah. I mean, we we played a game, uh, just a one shot back in December with two friends of ours who had never played a TTRPG in their life, but they're huge Critical Role fans. And so they were curious about it. And like, you know, we haven't been able to sort of get a regular game together, but it is something that we're all now interested in doing more of because that was their avenue in, right? It's like that they enjoyed watching other people play it and then they were curious. And so my partner ran a game for them and they had a good time. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, your existing friends that you have a good time with doing other things might actually be sort of sleeper agents for, for <laughs> game players. Yeah. A hundred percent. I want to double down on the two things that both of you said. One, if you want to DM it, then you can be the DM or the GM. Then you're the person who puts it together and they need you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, and then you get people to be excited about the thing. And I think what we said, first of all, Merit, it's very funny of how you said a post-critical role in Taz world. It's like in Fallout. This is like after the <laughs> atomic bomb went off. <laughs> um, yeah, but then you can like cut them off of the past and show them what actual games are like because I think the next step is always like wow Matt Mercer isn't my GM but I'm also not the player we have our own dynamic we have our own thing here and then it's like you got to take that next step forward into playing the game and what a wonderful introduction now you have another tabletop RPG fan yeah those are like the two steps right mm -hmm. is like you consume the content and then you play it and you have a deeper understanding of the entire thing and then you're set and then you have to do it every single Friday for the rest of your life there you go <laughs> I want to do one more quick question before we get to our query from the internet. Um, this is a quick one. This is from Cheyenne or hops me out playing games. Hey, everyone, do you have any suggestions for games that can be played at a brewery? Or I'm going to say anything out outside where your friends are hanging out and maybe there's a drinker there. Maybe card or dice or board. It's so funny. There's a brewery down the street that I'll go and write at sometimes. And there is a there is a couple who shows up every single Friday evening with a new board game under their arm. And I'm like trying oh, to man. think about what games they bring. I think I've seen them play Betrayal before with some friends. Really? Yeah. That feels like so, so fiddly while you also have like mugs on your table. I think I think they're like they're people who play games a lot. Right. Like that's not a good that's not sort of a good beginner one to play at a brewery. For sure. I was going to say um, Jungle Speed, but that's probably a bad game to play at a table with drinks. Oh, my God. Jungle Speed. I have not thought about that for 20 years <laughs> since I was at summer camp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good game, but, you know, not not for that kind of setting. Jungle Speed's perfect because of the big – the whole thing about Jungle Speed is the big knobby thing in the middle that you all need to grab and then people push each uh -huh. other over. Maybe this was just a camp, so please. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, me it's, it can get brutal. I think any game – like. <laughs> Okay, so if we're talking about a brewery, you know, a setting where people are like having some drinks and sitting down and stuff, I think anything with like bluffing or with like a social component is going to be fun. So mm -hmm. something like like a sheriff of Nottingham, maybe. I was just thinking that. Yeah, where there's like not a lot of components that are going to get like knocked around. And a lot of it is just sort of like having fun and like, you know, lying to your friends, basically. 
Um, I think that that's like a really good fit. 100%. I was going to say Sheriff of Nottingham, especially because the person that you lie to switches. Right, yeah. All the entire time. So like if you you can't play coup where something where you like you need a, everyone needs to be focused at the same time and like trying to lie to each other. I like the idea that it's like the responsibility of whom st- to you lie mm. is kind of diffused so that you, people aren't concentrating um, while they're drinking or they're going to get food or pick up their uh, their hot dog that they got in the food cart next to the brewery. Um, I'm going to pivot this a little bit and say, like, I specifically go to bars that have card games there. Mm-hmm. So it's also worthwhile to, like, look for barcades and bars that have really good like pinball machines in there. I just went to a bar recently that had like six old school pinballs machines there. And it's now my new favorite bar. And I love going there all the time. They got Adam's family. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, they didn't have the Adam's family one, but I do love that one. That's at the bar. Wait, are you in New York? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think I probably know what bar you're talking about. (laughs) It's at Milo's yard. Yeah. 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 Yes. That place is awesome. It's incredible. And I played the, the centipede there and I got on the high score and I was like, when was the last time I played centipede when I also, got like a tequila soda it was awesome i would i would also say like simple and classic is great like just bring a deck of cards and i think something that can be really fun when you have a, a couple of people like let's say like four or five people ask your friends like what card games they have played like growing up with their family like my family we grew up playing this game called oh hell which is like a sort of more chaotic and less complicated version of bridge oh my god <laughs> and like that's a game i love introducing to people because it's it's like perfect with four people it's like a game that usually nobody's ever heard of so it's like fun to you know introduce it to other people it, it lasts for 10 rounds but like can be really really fast and it's not something that you need like to have so much focus in so i think just asking your friends like what card games they play can sometimes be like a fun way to also get to know your friends did either of you ever play euchre yes i have played it (laughs) i also played euchre at summer camp a lot yeah had a big euchre moment in high school like somehow just all of my friends got obsessed with euchre in high school and like we were just playing it constantly that is so funny imagining you at like recess trying to figure out where like the good jack is is very funny (laughs) (laughs) also if you have the patience and to learn bridge bridge can be incredibly rewarding if you have a good bridge group one of my life goals is to learn bridge like before i turn 60 so that i can just (laughs) hang out with like a like, you know, a bunch of much older people just playing bridge. Bridge is fun. Just, that sounds like so much fun. It's really yeah. fun. It's just, it's such a commitment. Like you have to have your your bridge partner and you have mm. to like, it's like sort of needlessly complicated at times, but it's fun. This is perfect. And I thank you so much for the advice that you've given to these real people who have sent in questions. And thank you to everybody who sent them in. I'm sorry that I garbled your name so much. I'll be funnier in the next episode, I promise. But now we are at our final segment. This is Queries from the Internet, where I find something on the Internet that we can also give advice to. Um, And it's a little more unhinged because it's not a real person. It's kind of the general maw of the Internet that we got to figure out. This particular section is called, oh, that is good advice. I one of my favorite Twitter accounts is called Video Game Advisor. Have you two heard of this? Mm-mm. I have seen it on occasion. Yeah, it's kind of just like one of those like respectful meme accounts that like comes in my timeline. That's not like terrible, ridiculous. Basically, people take screenshots of good advice and send it into this Twitter account. As they say on their Twitter bio, sage advice from the world's most trusted source: video games. <laughs> 
So I have a few of my favorite uh, screenshots that I found over the last few months, and I wanted to share it with two of you. And I would love to like try to reverse engineer a situation where this advice would be good. And you'd be like, oh, that did happen. Or I do remember that game telling me that. <laughs> See, Marin, I'm, I'm making up a game and I'm making you do it now. I, the tables have fully turned. Wow. <laughs> the turnbulls have changed. <laughs> um, this first one is from Pokemon Yellow. Uh, you have a little Pikachu behind you and you talk to a random man and he says, you should be nice to your friends. I mean, that's just good advice. Like, that's just. Yeah, you should be nice to your friends. I, I um, like to think I'm I'm usually nice to my friends and, and don't need the reminder, but I'm sure there have been times in which I could have used it, especially when I was younger. That's fine. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have told two people who are such good friends to get do this advice. <laughs> no, I, I think it's very easy to remember to be nice to your friends when they're like standing in front of you. Mm. But I think that one of the the things of the you know, that we've been dealing with over the past couple of years is a lot of our friendships moving to like more digital and and more sporadic contact. And so I think it's important to remember to like be nice to your friends on a more active basis. Uh, I'm personally incredibly introverted and kind of forget to socialize sometimes. So I have a recurring task in my Asana, my to-do app. Uh, that's just text a friend. Oh my God. To literally yes. just remind myself to be like, reach out to somebody today. Just say hi. Just to kind of keep that friendship alive. So actually I have taken this advice and put it into my own <laughs> to-do list. Oh my God, a kindred spirit. Someone who over-organizes everything too. I use OmniFocus, but I have literally the same task like once a week. Oh. Just like text or email someone you haven't talked to once in a while. Um, I like how both of you were like, I'm always nice to my friends. And then you're like, I both have this advice weekly delivered to me. The problem is we've already taken this advice. <laughs> like I offload all of my brain into my organizer. So Same. I don't have to think about this stuff. But Same. I would I would like to put a twist on this and say that you should treat yourself like a friend too. Yes. Um, and you should be nice to yourself. You know, that's a lot harder than being nice to your friends sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think it's uh, it's really important. And just think like if you're like the kind of person who beats yourself up a lot, would you hang around with someone who did that all the time to you? Because mm -hmm. if not, then, you know, maybe you should try to address that. Yeah. Go talk to that NPC in the Celadon City and figure it out. Be nice to your friends. Also, um, giant monsters exist <laughs> and you can catch them in this little ball here. And be nice to them, too. <laughs> Although it doesn't really matter if you're not. Um, because they can't <laughs> legally, they can't do anything about it. <laughs> that thing following you, it's a Pikachu. It's fine. He's your best friend now. <laughs> All right. This one is from Cursed Mountain, which came out on Wii in 2009. Be careful not to alert nearby ghosts by jogging. By jogging. Interesting. I mean, this is this is great advice if you if your running route goes past a graveyard. Perfect. Ben. That's true. I have never heard of Cursed Mountain before. I haven't either. A Wii game? It was on the Wii. That's all I have. Oh my Apparently, God. you hold Z to jog. Yeah, okay, I'm looking at it now. Okay, now I'm going to have to, to play this um, because it sounds really, really silly. I mean, that's pretty good advice unless you are hunting for ghosts. Mm. Um, True. In which case, jogging might be the best way to... Do ghosts hate jogging or do they just hear the noise that you make when you're running? Mm. From what I understand from this, it seems like the latter... You're trying to evade the ghosts and your pants are so swishy while you're holding Z. Your pants keep swooshing like that Seinfeld episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's very relatable. All right. Here's another spooky one. This is from Casper's Scare School, colon, Classroom Capers, which came out on Nintendo DS in 2010. <laughs> Just pick up anything interesting that's dropped on the floor. <laughs> okay. 
Hmm. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. So yesterday I, um, I was walking down the street and uh, there was a, a, a playing card okay. on the ground. That was the Joker playing card. Like just the, just the Joker, not like just a Joker, <laughs> not the Joker. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pick that up and put it in my bag. I don't know why. I'll probably throw it out in a month from now. But who knows? It could be useful. And um, I think treating your life like you live in an adventure game and you have to pick literally everything up or like you're in Skyrim and you're just picking up wheels of cheese constantly. Um, yeah, I don't see any way that that could end poorly. Yeah. I do appreciate the point and click adventure nature of your suggestion that's like, oh, I'm going to need this later to open up the lock that has the lion inside <laughs> who's going to give me the part that changes mm -hmm. my car to a spaceship. I mean, you never know what's gonna what somebody's gonna drop as they're walking in front of you. I think the craziest stranger encounter to this end that I ever had was I was uh, when I was still in LA. I was walking back to my apartment from the sandwich shop that I was working at at the time. Just like ex I just finished a shift, I was exhausted. You know, still in my uniform, and there was this older man walking maybe like half a block ahead of me, and some paper fluttered out of his pocket as, as he was like putting something back into his pocket, and so I like sort of, you know, race up to, to pick up the paper and catch him and give it back to him in case it was important. It was two $100 bills. <laughs> <laughs> and I catch up to him and I'm like, here, you dropped $200. And then he gave me one of the oh bills. God. Wow. Imagine living the kind of life where you could just accidentally drop two hundred dollars. Right, and like you know, I was this was I was making you know like twelve dollars an hour or whatever, and trying to pay rent in LA on that, and so like get like being given this like one hundred dollar bill off of a random stranger simply because he was like, I think surprised that I caught up to him at all rather than just like taking the two hundred dollars, which you know I did have the thought of, sure. and then I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna do the right thing. It, it was like genuinely the best part of my year that year. And that man. Albert Einstein. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got one last one here. Uh, this is from Rampage World Tour, the arcade machine from 1997. Gary. So this is to Gary. Puking is painful. Watch what you eat. I mean, that is very good advice. Gary. Yeah. I think Gary just needs the advice. I don't know. I think that he turned into. Here's what I think happened. Gary turned into a big dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And now he's starting to eat everything because he thinks it's fine. Mm. But really, you got to watch whether you eat. And if you're a big dinosaur or let's say you're 31 now and you can't eat the way that you did in your 20s. And now various things that where you were totally fine with, such as dairy or spicy foods will hurt you later or mm -hmm. you eat it and then it pains you two hours from now. Mm. This this isn't me. This is a hypothetical person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be, <laughs> you just got to watch what you eat because it will hurt you later. It's also great advice to take with you to like an amusement park or state fair because we've all been in that situation where we're like, it's fine. I can eat this entire funnel cake and then like chug down this entire mm. Slurpee. No, don't. You'll be, especially if you are in your 20s or 30s, you will be regretting that later. Be careful with the funnel cakes. Yeah, Gary. Yeah, Come Gary. on, Gary. Get it together. I wish that there was a lot more like conversation around instead of like watch what you eat wow has a lot of calories a minute on the lips is a lifetime on the hips hey watch what you eat if you eat five tacos and barbecue now you're gonna be unhappy two hours from now someone exactly. should have told me exactly learn from your mistakes <laughs> exactly I've, i refuse to learn from my mistakes because like several times i would order a burrito from this place 
that had it was the best burrito I've ever had in my life. It had roast potatoes in it. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Starch on starch on starch. Which mm-hmm. is and also like is a prized rare item in New York City. All the people that are like, yeah, potatoes go in burritos. We don't get that in New York City. We have the really? worst. Mexican. Oh yeah, no, that that's all over the West Coast. It's not a huge thing here. Um and you know, I every time I ordered it, I would wake up at three in the morning and just be just nauseous and uh, I won't get into the details, but you know, mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. ill. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't put two and two together <laughs> until like the third or fourth time. And even then I was just kind of like, yeah, it is really good though. I mean, that's part of it too, is knowing the the times in which you're going to, you're going to take the later pain because the thing is so delicious and accepting mm-hmm. that as part of your journey. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Gary, figure it out. Come on. Eat those buildings. That can't be good for your tummy, that concrete and rebar and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. It's hard to digest. Uh, I'm still haunted. Every time that I get barbecue now, I'm still haunted from the time that I went to Austin for my brother's bachelor party. And we had flown in early in the morning and we had landed like around noon. And then we immediately went to like the best barbecue place in Austin, which is like in a was kind of like in a parking lot. The smoker was like attached to a a food truck thing. Mm -hmm. And then like we had to wait. It was a super long line. So we had to wait like another hour and a half, two hours. And there was a free keg next to it. So the only thing we could drink is like cheap keg beer. So it's like three o'clock. We get these massive plates of meat. I eat so much of it. And then like for the next two days, I was just totally messed up inside. And I still can't eat barbecue because I wanted to eat it so bad. And I was so hungry. And like if I had just figured it out, now it wouldn't have an aversion to the most beautiful mm. food delicacies of smoked meat. Now, every time I just think about that and I'm like, I'm going to push through because I spent $20 on this piece of brisket. I'm so sorry. That is that is tragic. So, Gary, get it together. Jesus. Get it together, Gary. Jesus. All right, Gary. Gary's off the hook. We're, we are finished now. Thank you so much to both of you for being here. Hey, what do you do on the internet? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Lauren Chippen anywhere on the internet, uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, and uh, laurenchippen.com is my website. And so, yeah, go to those places to find my podcasts. I'm sure I'm like not the first person to do this, so I apologize in advance. But when I saw your name the first, and I, I've never even actually seen the show, but the first thing I could think of was Lauren Shippudan, like Naruto. Oh my gosh! No, you're you are the first person oh, to bring okay. that up. Well, then it's just a an even worse joke than if everyone had done it already. Um, no, I love that. <laughs> again, I know nothing about Naruto. I don't either. But you know, given people's feelings about Naruto, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> so I work at a website called Fanbyte. You can find us at fanbyte.com. We do all kinds of podcasts. I host one called Channel F, and uh, we uh, we might actually have a special guest on there next week. And uh, yeah, you can follow Fanbyte on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, and I am on Twitter at Merrick K. I don't know when this is coming out, so it's me. I'm going to be on Fanbyte. Eric is a special guest. I don't know when it's happening. <laughs> no, I, I was like, oh man, you're getting Reggie Fisame to come on to talk about pizza? I We're hope it's me. getting Reggie, and I'm going to ask him the hard-hitting questions about, about pizza. pizza. <laughs> yep. And if if Mountain Dew is the third thing in the Triforce, 100%. <laughs> um, I also love Channel F. It was one of the inspirations for Games and Feelings. So keep doing what you're doing. And if you're not listening to Channel F, go do it. You know what? Just go to the site and click around on stuff just to make sure that it works. 
<laughs> Everyone go to Fanbyte and make sure it still works. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. My name if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. And you can find the show on Twitter at Games and Feelings. It's N, like linens and things, because Twitter uh, made us do that. The best place to submit questions is to go to our website, gamesandfeelings.com slash questions. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash gamesandfeelings and see the links right down there in the episode description. Thank you again so much to Merritt and Lauren. Thank you for taking the time to answer our, uh, the advice questions and to do my silly um, video game advice. It's uh, it's nice to be good to your friends. I don't know if you knew. It's good. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. And remember, the instruction manual doesn't have anything about feelings. Mm-hmm.